welcome back to the podcast. This is the Life Beyond the Summit Faith Journey Podcast for Men. I'm your host, Steve Crowdis. We have Andrew Platts in studio, and Ken is back. Welcome back, Ken. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be here. Good to have you back. Uh, last week, well, actually, you know, for a bit of time here, we've been talking about all kinds of wonderful aspects to the Scripture and Bible, and its truth and its transformational capacity in all of our lives for those who believe in Christ and follow His Word. But we've been spending a, a specific amount of time here in the last couple of sessions on the Beatitudes. And, you know, if you look up that word, guys, it's fascinating. It means supremely blessed is what the word Beatitude means. It's amazing. If you think about it, these were Jesus's words. So if you've got your Bible handy as a podcast listener, we want to direct you to Matthew uh, chapter 5. And we're going to look again at these Beatitudes, but we're going to spend uh, some of the time at least on the notion in verse 5 where it says, blessed are the meek or the lowly or the, what was the other word you used? Gentle. Andy? Gentle. Um, for they will inherit the earth. And looking at what that means to inherit the earth. And we talked about that last week in detail, but we feel like there's a lot more there. So if you're yeah. like, well, I've heard it already. You got anything new? Well, we got plenty of new things to talk about regarding that specific sentence that we think you're really going to be blessed with. So also, we, we want to reference the fact that uh, Andrew found earlier, uh, he found an article, really good article. Um, it's uh, it's out of the Theology of Work Project, and this is about the Beatitudes specifically, but I love this piece. So one of the interesting things about the Beatitudes is that they're really virtues that are not, heard about much in society. We can discuss that for a minute before I read this. These are virtues that are almost exclusively directed toward humility. And and you made some, you had some thoughts about, and in fact, we all three kind of talked about this a little bit. These are not words frequently heard in the public domain. Yeah. Domain. We're just, they're just not heard very often. Well, do you, have you heard Ken, anyone talk about being meek, gentle, lowly, even humble, like Tony Robbins, he talks about, you know, assert your power, uh, you know, gather your strength for influence, how to get ahead, how to get your way, how to be successful, and all the other motivational speakers who get in front of corporations, or even Oprah Winfrey, or these talk shows during the afternoon who will give you little tips, and they're good tips, right, about parenthood, but you don't hear gentle and meek and and how to be humble. Now, humility is not at the top of the center list. of their right. universe. It, it's really more about how you're going to improve yourself, right? Self-will. And right. take control of your circumstances and ultimately work so that you come out better you hear this or word, on top. Yeah, you hear this word often, mindset. Having yeah. a proper mindset. Well, um, the mind is a natural thing, and... You know, it, it's it's empowering the individual to achieve all that they can with a maximum return on investment, all oriented toward digging deep to self-will, digging deep to self-motivation, digging deep to personal strength. Isn't that true? Yeah, actually, Absolutely. when we started talking about what we're going to say on this podcast, I actually had to look up what is the definition of meek. And I just looked it up again. It says, quiet, gentle and easily imposed on, submissive. Wow. 
submissive. It's very counter right. not to our masculine to our flesh. No. None of those are masculine are considered to be in society masculine. Attributes. It's not rugged individualism. It no. isn't self-made man. It's not, you know, the Marlboro man. Think think about guys running and women for that matter that run corporations today and are at the highest levels. Those adjectives don't apply. Would, would rarely rarely apply to any of them. It, it's, yeah, and you know, it's funny. You don't really hear pastors, I, I can't remember ever personally, now I'm sure they have in across the country, but talking about what it means to be meek and gentle. or Now, they talk about humility a lot, but meek and gentle, I think, is even a stretch deeper into submissiveness and trusting in God. And uh, we know that if Jesus practiced this, and he was submissive and he was gentle and he was meek also our father is the same way absolutely yeah. and we, we had another uh discussion about the fact that you know the meekness is characterized it, it, it isn't weakness meekness does not equate to weakness but weakness is strength that is self-controlled mm. and mm-hmm. how you know jesus exemplified that i mean he had everything in the world at his disposal at any moment but yet he described himself as gentle and lowly of heart meekness is certainly within that description as well right and yet i mean perfect servant leadership right you know perfect meekness perfect humility but yet he was the ultimate warrior as well yeah and he was certainly connected emotionally to himself and to the world around him which is something that in in society especially among men is not of great value you know the notion of being kind of emotionally connected having emotional uh high high degree of coefficiency in your own life are you emotional are you connected and you know many many speak uh in society of uh men sort of being losing their masculine side in in order to emasculation be, yeah the emasculation of a man i mean the way that the world defines masculine doesn't unlock these keys that's for sure and in fact these would be seen as demasculating or emasculating by most of society i think they would view these these beatitudes as that's foreign to what it is to be a man wouldn't you think it's it's this is not what you would put in a typical yeah, it's very counter list of yeah it's counter macho yeah isn't it? It's counterintuitive it's to counterintuitive. the way we think we should be living our lives. What did you did you say it was power through self control? Strength. Strength through self control. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of when Jesus was in the garden and he's he, uh I think Peter had his ear chopped off and yeah. and then I think someone drew their sword and he's like, No, 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 hold on. If I needed to call the angels, a thousand angels right now, I have the power to do it. But you know, chose not to do that it. interferes with my father's will right yeah yeah this is something in the article kind of related to what again just stated about the power issue power under god's control means two things refer refusal to inflate our own self-estimation which is a great phrase and uh the the notion of not asserting ourselves over any other you know in other words taking yeah. resistant to being the center of attention, resistant to having the loudest voice, resistant to having our way. 
And these pieces in particular can relate well to our marriages. I mean, do we find ourselves in a, in a, in a place where we demand or have to assert authority? And if that's who we are, if we demand or assert ever, we're outside of what the word would define as meek, what Jesus himself said was meek. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, did you mention this already, Andrew? We're, we're saying so many thoughts here. We've all been in situations where we were asked our opinion, and maybe it was an opinion being asked to to gain a consensus among a group of leaders. And the illustration that you brought up, Andrew, do you want me to go ahead and finish mm-hmm. the thought? Yeah. Was let's say there's 10 or 12, and the number's insignificant or, or doesn't really play into the, the discussion, but you've got a group of guys that are having a discussion about a direction for something to go, and there seems to be a consensus that may be different than your idea or thought. And you issue your thought, and it is not accepted or is maybe minimized. Well, what do you do with that? Do you do you fight to be heard? This would say no. Do you do an end round after the meeting? Do you get to a coffee with the, 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 the big dog in the meeting, whoever the leader is, and try to say, hey, I heard all these ideas, but you need to think about this. What does meek suggest that we would do? If you're meek of spirit, what do you do? Well, I think the Bible directs us to humble, our, humble ourselves and trust the Lord. I know it seems simple, but we don't always have to have our way. It's not always our time or many times never to shine in front of men. We want God's will in our life, and mm-hmm. so we don't have to push our way. We don't have to be so assertive. We don't have to be the one that people praise or that people always look up to. I don't. I think that when Jesus walked this earth with his 12 disciples, one of the things that attracted them to him was his meekness and his gentleness. Who does, Ken, who doesn't want to hang out with someone who's just easygoing, very light? Yeah. Not exactly. argumentative, uh, has to have his way. No, I insist we get chicken tonight. Not go, not not not, <laughs> not McDonald's. Or I insist on this. And in our own marriage, like you say, we can give up a lot sometimes, and show our wives that hey, this is this is a partnership. I don't have to have my way. I I know that men have the leadership role in a marriage, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. But there's mean, a right or way, wrong way yeah, to do that. Yeah, of but course. most of us find i think that our marriages are at their best when we don't make it about ourselves exactly that, right and you know, true of life in general exactly and you also know, our kids and the people we work with and our relationships are at their best when we kind of see ourselves the way there's a scripture about this that we don't insist on our own way all the time yeah and we see uh, see others as better than ourselves yeah. I don't remember the reference where Paul says, look at other people um, in that light. Exactly. Well, you know, we've yeah. all, to, to your both of your points, we've all been around. I can remember growing up, there were, there were guys, you know, that were standouts, but oftentimes stand out for the wrong reason. You know, they were, uh, the, the ones that were, I tended, I, I was a standout, but for silly reasons and mostly because I was really insecure and needed approval. We've talked about that before. But there were standouts, and I think, I actually believe a person like me when I was growing up, when I was sort of a central, you know, maybe a little bit bigger than life character, it was because I was being silly, more the clown, again, needing approval. But then there were the guys, and, and that, that guy's kind of liked. I mean, I, yeah. I had a lot of friends growing up because I was silly and, 
kind of a stress reliever for everybody. You know, they could kind of pile it on me. But then the guys that were that were central figures that were all about themselves were generally lonely. Yep. They thought they were hot stuff, but you sensed that. And it was never really fun to be around the yeah. person who was, and we called them, well, that guy's conceited. You know, sure. when, when everything revolved around them, that was grand and glorious. I think of uh, a, a silly movie that we've all liked. Uh, the character was Biff. You remember what movie oh, that was? Um, Back to the Future. Yeah, Back to the Future. Remember, Biff thought he was hot <laughs> stuff. Remember? He walked into the dance hall. Yeah. They had the big party. Everybody made waves for Biff. But right. Biff was really no one's friend. Yeah. He bullied his way into power, prestige, and position. But really... I don't think he had any of those things. What he had were people that hated him and, and feared him because he was a bully. But no one really yeah. likes that. When when we make life about ourselves, it never goes well. So for Jesus to speak to meekness is significant because it stands right in the way of what happened in the garden. What happened in the garden was not a display of meek, meekness on the part of Adam. You know, when, he, when, they, when they fell... It was all because of pride. It was ultimately, you know what? I think I think the devil, what he's tempting us with, the serpent's tempting us, and I think he's right. The, the, God just doesn't want us to have the same kind of knowledge he has. So let's not, he said stay away, but let's not. Yeah. So there's this ongoing battle for every one of us, for every man ever born since Adam, the battle over who's in charge, who's ultimately going to play the lead role in our lives. Will it be the Lord or will it be us? And if we play the lead role, it's to our own undoing. We never win. You know, well, this article suggests that people who do win in the natural have lost on every level. The wealthy who got who go for wealth and continue to gain and strive for and build and and build a kingdom on this earth are never pleased enough. They're never happy enough because things will not satisfy. Money will not satisfy accounts will not satisfy. There's always, and then of course, when you get there, because you got there in large part, because of self-control, you fear losing what you have. Will someone up, will someone upstage you? Will someone overtake you? So there's this constant fear, a place of fear. But when you're meek and lowly, that's a much more pleasurable place to be. Yeah. Your trust is now in him, in the Lord. And, and it says, as we said, we would do, we will talk to this. It says, in that scripture verse, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So and in run Roman, off with that one. You know, Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 3, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, mm. but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So right there and there, wow. he's telling us, you know, we're not to think we are so special and we're unique and, you know. We've got it together. It, it's all about me and my will. Right. Because it's not. Not thinking more. It's not. more. You ever, you, do you know many people who are meek? Because I, I, know, I, can, I know this lady who's really meek and, you know, everybody wants to be her friend. She's real accessible. She's easy to talk to. Um, she listens well. <laughs> She has an opinion, but she doesn't insist everyone believe it. And she's easy to get along with, and you, you want to be around her. As opposed to a guy like Biff, <laughs> yeah, Biff. Who, who wants to be around someone who's the opposite. Overpowering. Very conceited. Really overpowering. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, he doesn't want what's best for the group. It's all, all about him. So it's, and every relationship around a Biff type personality is fearful. They don't feel right. Well, they not, don't know what's it's next. not a safe place. Yeah, it's not a safe place. Yeah. yeah. But that's a really good comment. You know, you, I've mentioned before that Larry Crabb, those things, love, value, acceptance, and approval. The people like this woman you're talking about, meek people really embody that you, you feel loved, valued, accepted, and approved around a, a meek person. Because that's just sort of what almost defines them. Love, value, acceptance, and approval. They're not self-seeking. It's not about self-will. It's about really humility at the purest level of the definition of it. It's just a brokenness. And that brokenness feels safe to approach, right? It does. If I'm a big, strong Biff bully, that's not very attractive. But if I'm a meek, quiet, reserved that person's approachable. Right. Loud is not always better. Quiet, soft. Yeah, there's a place mm-hmm. for leadership in this world, and even leaders can be meek. Yeah. Um, we don't see a lot of that in our politics, obviously. They're all about fighting and fighting and this and fighting about that. But, you know, one thing that we didn't touch on from the last podcast, because we did talk about this subject, was it says, they shall inherit the earth. Yeah. And so we've done some studying, and essentially that means not this world, the, your life experience, not in the end, oh, wait till you get 70, then you'll have justice. Or wait till you get 65, then, then things will start working for you. But what it means is those that are humble, those who are meek, they shall inherit the earth to come. They will inherit the kingdom of God that's awaiting for us, the promise in Hebrews 11, that we look... In this world, though we may not have justice, we may not understand why things, why we have to um, bear someone's burdens and help people who don't deserve it and how we don't get justice in the court system or, God forbid, one of our relatives dies of of fentanyl, which is a huge trouble these days, and no one's accountable to it. But in in the world to come, there will be a new earth, Steve. Yeah. There will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. And so... It's pointing, Ken, to not this life, but the one to come. And that we do demonstrate this, blessed are who are the meek and the, and the lowly and the humble, for another world that we will live in after we die. And so all this is done mm-hmm. by faith, and we have to live it. We have to prove it on this earth. We can't just say we believe and not act that way. So I think I think a lot of these beatitudes are, you know, if you'll have this mindset, though you may not experience the fruit of it here on earth, you get to receive it by promise after you die. The reward mm. that is promised is so much greater than what we could envision here. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, as Andrew said, with the new heaven and new earth, I mean, quite frankly, who— who would want to inherit this world as it exists today? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. with all the strife and earthquakes, you know, everything else that goes on with it, the problems, the disruptions, but there is coming a, a new heaven and a new earth that will be perfect and made perfect by Jesus when he returns. Yeah, yeah. And 
That's the promised inheritance. Oh, man, that's a wonderful inheritance, too. I mean, it's the notion of eternal life, but we know eternal life is going to uh, is going to begin, really, with this new heaven and new earth as, as is coming and is before us. We don't know the time or the hour of the day, but that's what's coming and that's what's ours. The notion that there's really, the, the cool thing about it, too, I think, is there's nothing really worthy of inheritance in this world. I mean, there just isn't much. It these material things that we all fight so hard for and, you know, want to achieve. I mean, they bring some measure of joy, but you know, we, we see it in children. We've mentioned this on the podcast before a kid rips open a gift and as no sooner as it ripped open, they want another one to rip open. And really, if we're honest, Ken, as adults, we're the same way. You know, you know, it's funny already. I thought when I first, I, I got a new used car, so I got a new vehicle in my driveway. And when I first got it, I couldn't wait to wash it the first time it needed to be washed. In fact, I was, sick when i went to pick it up it was raining that day and Susie and i drove back from the dealership with a car getting filthy with all the highway dirt and so on and as soon as it was sunny out i was out there washing that you know what i haven't washed it since but i mean it's funny how you know the newness wears off so quickly and we're always chasing and we've said this before the next shiny object in this and and the funny thing is all three of us and everybody listening you know we have to chuckle because we can't take any of it with us there and aren't any uh, hearses pulling are, U-Hauls, there? you are go. There? <laughs> there are no hearses pulling U-Hauls. Yeah. Yeah. First time I heard that was from a Pastor Ron Tucker here in St. Louis years ago, probably 1980s. But, you know, it's uh, uh, it really is fascinating. You look at how many guys leave this earth. Take Warren Buffett. He has worked hard, 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 like so many of those that have arrived at the top as defined by the world standard. And he's going to leave this world having not spent a fraction of what he's achieved. He can say he's achieved it, but none of it goes with him. And yes, it will bless people with charitable clauses, causes, and yes, he's a, a philanthropist and so on and so forth. But it's just nothing. There's nothing to it. You know, the Bible talks about stirring up our treasures where Ross, I mean, where rust and moths cannot, will not destroy. And that is in eternal things, you know, and the only eternal thing, of course, is Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, teaching us, leading, guiding us, as we see even in the Beatitudes. it's. I think it's important. I'll read that, Revelations 21, just a second, mm-hmm. Andrew, but I think it's important to recognize in this set of scriptures, remember who's reading these to us, who's telling us these are the virtues. This is Jesus himself expressing, expressing not only the virtues he has himself you know, originated. These are his thoughts, his reflections, and the Father's thoughts and reflections, but he's telling us, if you want to be magnificently blessed, if you want to be blessed beyond how anyone might define blessing, and that includes material blessing, this is the pathway. Yeah, there's These a there's the a not, yeah. We I was before you're talking saying you know he's pointing to a, a new life after we live in this world, but there's a blessing also in this life, though you may not have justice. Things may go wrong with you in your in your world. No one lives a perfect life, but there is a blessing in seeking Him and trusting Him and being humble and meek and gentle. You know, you get more relationships. You have deeper relationships. You have more of a influence on your kids and your wife and your coworkers and your relatives. You have a better rapport with them. You're not insisting on your own way. You're not fighting with. Your relatives. Think about all the relatives mm. that we have in this world. Like in my own family, 
I try to purposely sort of minimize the conflict. You know, just let it go. It's not worth the fight. Don't bring it up. Just kind of swallow it for now. Let's just keep the peace. And this is part of the benefit of mm. walking in that kind of attitude. Mm. Mm. Two words popped into my mind, Andrew, as you were going through that description of what we what we come through and how we struggle. We are able to experience a bit more peace and contentment in our daily journey when we don't have that yes. constant focus on mm-hmm. getting my way, getting you know the next promotion, getting the next shiny object, having my will with you know regards to family and I just think we're able to to have a little bit more of that peace and contentment that comes yes mm-hmm. only from Jesus. Well, now that's funny. So we're doing this round robin. Thoughts are bequesting thoughts or whatever you want to say. But I think of when uh, I used to rush to everything. I'd put too much in a day. And guess what my day was full of when I tried to do too much in one day? Lots of anxiety. And in that time in space in my life, I was getting tickets. I was finding myself in the court to deal with the tickets. My insurance rates went up. I had some accidents. Mm. In other words, and the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but with all things through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. But I guess the point I want to make about that is this be anxious for nothing thing. You know, speeding even is an example of how we're pushing, we're pushing, but you, no one ever speeds without a higher level of awareness and anxiety because they fear there could be a police officer mm-hmm. around the next bend. A radar might hit us around. We might get paced. We might have a vehicle make a U-turn i.e. a police car or a state highway patrolman, our awareness, our, our heightened level of anxiety is there when we are doing things in the flesh. And I think it's even true in the corporate world. When I was, when I was attempting to climb the ladder, you know, in a, I, I can tell you from, and you too, you, you and I can have both been in the corporate world. Andrew's been self-employed really your entire mm-hmm. adult life. I've only been self-employed for the last 30 years, which is a long time. But part of that, the first 16 years, I was employed by a corporation. And I can remember the glad-handing and the sweet talk that was all in front of the faces of managers and fellow sales guys. But behind closed doors, it was backstabbing, knifing, grabbing, slashing, burning, <laughs> whatever it took, to, right, to climb yeah, the ladder. Exactly. And, and I, can, I can remember not enjoying the anxiety that I felt away from. I felt like I was living a lie in front of most of the guys I worked with because we were all competing. We were like warriors. We all want. We were all fighting for the annual sales award. You know, top top dog in sales, which, by the way, I I, I did get it seven out of fourteen years that they had an award program, which is really cool. The last seven years I was there, I, I got the award every year, but that was not earned without a lot of anxiety because I strived to go get it. I was anything but any of these beatitudes. I was a believer. Oh, I wasn't. You know, a bad guy, but I but I can remember striving in my flesh. And with that strife comes anxiety. Look look how many guys get to the end of their career and have a heart attack and die. They're a year into retirement. Yeah. Stress has driven them to the edge. It's brought them great great wealth potentially, great success, great lifestyle, but a lot of health related issues. It's just counter. So listen to this. This we wanted to read this to you. In uh, Revelation twenty one one. I'm gonna read maybe the first six verses because they're so powerful. So if you got your Bible handy, this is relating directly to what we're talking about here. 
It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down and out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, what would beautifully dressed be for a moment? I think it would have to include the Beatitudes, all those things that we are reading about in verses one, uh, 5, Matthew 5, uh, 1 through 12 or so, the Beatitudes themselves. Uh, prepared for a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's an incredibly beautiful promise. In verse 4 it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older things have passed away. Uh, It's just, wow. And then it goes on and says, uh, He who was seated at the throne said, I am making everything new. And that's the new heaven and the new earth that we're going to receive. Then he said, write these things down, for these are trustworthy and true. All this other stuff that that is around yeah. us, the material of life, the, the, the experiences of life, that's all going to go away. The old things will pass away. Behold, all things are made new. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, we talked last week about the Beatitudes being a type of roadmap. Um. And I, I see it, there There are many roadmaps, I think, in the Bible, but this is, I think, one for sure, not the the roadmap. So, but I see the Beatitudes as, like Jesus saying, okay, put on this crown, this, this is the way, this thinking cap, this mindset as you live your life. In other words, adopt kingdom principles, mm-hmm. and, you know, the Bible says uh, the kingdom of Heaven is near. Jesus said right. that the kingdom of heaven has come down. The Holy Spirit now lives in our hearts, and we're able to access the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, through the Word and through the Holy Spirit. And these are things that we need to adopt in our daily lives. So instead of insisting on our own way and getting our own way, despite how many other people's lives we wreck, we need to say, "No, no, hold on a minute, hold on a minute." If I push a little bit and I get resistance, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna let it, let it go. I'm going to, you know, case mm-hmm. sera, sera, mm-hmm. whatever will be, will be, you know, don't, don't, you don't always have to be right. You don't always have to have your way. Even you don't have to have justice. Even when evildoers uh, steal from you or mm-hmm. say things wrong mm-hmm. about you or gossip about you, be gentle, forgive them. It's a completely different mindset. It's actually, it's a bit intimidating thinking that we can live up to this because we, I know in my past, even being a Christian, I have gossiped and I have. Uh, it's not, not our natural. Yeah, it's uh, not. Uh, I have not done it? a great job here. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. but it's okay. It's here. We know what God is calling us to to do in our actions and our thoughts and our words and our deeds, and so it's good to talk about it. It's the, it's the model to strive for. Really, it's the it's the bullseye is to live like this. And you know, if you, if you read these and they don't bring conviction to you, goodness, that's a little scary. I mean, I when I read these, it makes me feel convicted. And conviction is a good thing. Condemnation, don't feel if we're if you're not if if any of us, the three of us or anybody listening, if you're not living up to these, strive through prayer to live up to these, but don't feel condemned if you're not because 
we're in an imperfect world. What what was it you said yeah. the other day to me, Ken? It's like, well, this side of heaven will will not live a life that's perfect. No, but I mean, we can strive to get to a place where we're fulfilling, you know, the doctrines and the yeah. the, the the I hate to say rules, but the application concepts that it takes to really display a life of faith in the Lord. Yeah, no, I mean, all of us every day fail in any number of ways to to oh, meet yeah. that. Holy and pure and righteous standard mm-hmm. that is Jesus, but the the great news is that He is always there to welcome us back and open with open arms and forgiveness, mercy, and grace. That's yeah. that's yeah. who He is, and that's who He most naturally aligns his spirit with mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. that sense of forgiveness it's not the oh there i caught steve or i caught andrew or i caught ken yeah. and you know this this thing and there goes a, a check mark in the in the naughty column mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. that's that's not it and i don't think we want to i don't think we want to approach this either from the standpoint you you look at the pharisees and and all those that were around in the space and time that Jesus was and how they judged Jesus, they certainly had the knowledge. I mean, it's not, it's really not about knowledge. These beatitudes are not about, okay, I'm going to do this because I have to, because by works, these are virtues that we should desire to embrace because Jesus himself offered them as virtues that are the most telling of a reflective life that is in, in the heart of the Lord himself if we embrace him, if we, you know, faith without works is dead. If we embrace him, but there's no fruit, you know, how do I know a pine tree? Because I see its needle or the cones that are, how do I know a peach tree the same way? I think it's the same thing needs to start to happen in the life of a believer. There needs to be beyond the confession of faith. There needs to be the barren, the bearing of fruit. And, when I say needs, it does, I'm not talking about a works-oriented thing. I'm, it's just going to be a natural outflow. Like these, these don't. I'm challenged to want to embrace these virtues. I'll call them virtues. These, oh, yeah. I'm challenged to want to embrace them. I'm not offended by them. Be, if I were offended by them, I think it would be that I was full of pride. I'm, I'm not going here. I'm not going to be poor in spirit. Forget that. That's not the way to the top. I'm not going to mourn. I don't mourn for people. That's not who I am. I'm not a crier. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to be meek. I I don't want to be. I don't want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Nor do I want to be merciful or pure in heart. Why would I want to do any of that? You know, that's not manly. If that's my attitude, that's an attitude full of pride. And if that's where we find ourselves, then we need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, and yeah. and to to remove that sort of. But we should look at these and say, "Wow, well, okay." So probably a really good example of of one response to jesus's words in the new testament that we're all familiar with we know that when he was writing in the sand regarding the prostitute Mm -hmm. they the those around her that were there to judge her and stone her to death eventually all of them will call them as jesus did her accusers and jesus said where are your accusers now there are none left and not i either in other words they were convicted, and that's where I want to find myself. Now, I, we don't know what happened to them. We don't know if they became believers, followers. We don't know what happened to them. I do think it's beautiful that they were conscionable enough 
to lay down their stones. We don't know what he wrote. You know, the speculation was it their mm-hmm. names, was it their sins? What was it? We don't know. But I think it's a beautiful thing that they were conscionable enough to lay down their stones. And that's where I want to be when I read the Beatitudes. I want to lay down whatever stone or whatever pride or whatever obstacle or whatever hurdle would prevent me from experiencing these. You know, when it talks about meek and gentle in the Bible, I think the word humility also kind of goes into that group. There's a lot of scriptures about humility. And the one that kind of stands out that that I thought was pretty incredible was um, Numbers 12.3. And it just makes a quick reference to Moses. It's actually in parentheses. It's, it's verse 3. It says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. The thing about Moses was basically heir to the kingdom of Egypt. He was, mm-hmm. he, he was called the prince, Prince Moses. He had lots of wealth, lots of, lots of prestige, incredible influence in the court and also in his family and also among important people in Egypt. And because he murdered that Egyptian worker, he fled. The Baba records he then went from this top place of importance all the way down to basically he herded rams on the side of a mountain. Not for like five years or even 10 years. I think it was decades. Could have been 30, 40 decades. Or sorry, 30, 40 years. So he was purposely humbled by the Lord for a purpose. Mm. And so he became humble. He probably became lowly and meek and gentle. And look what God did in his life. Yeah. So God is able to transform us into the person and the kingdom principles that he is calling us to be one way or the other. You know, we do know that we do get in trouble. I, I can tell you my own marriage when I push it sometimes, when I get oh, mad yeah. about something and my wife's like, no, just, just hang, hang on a second. Don't say that. Don't say that. You know, like you know, don't make your kids yeah. even madder at you than they are now. You know, just wait a minute. So I know that, if we can we can keep this attitude like Moses had and realize, hey, this is all about God moving in our lives. We don't have to impose our own way and realize that there's a different way of thinking than than what we've been taught all these years mm-hmm. through uh, through all this TV propaganda. Mm. A different way of thinking is is certainly an aspect of how when we look at the Beatitudes and are challenged by them and how we're going to possibly meet this standard. Uh, the, the the mental aspect is one thing, but another issue that I think these really speak to is the heart. Mm-hmm. And when we try to get our own way and do our own thing, it's, it's, it's sin, it's pride. It's, it's the I, I, I at the center mm-hmm. of things again, mm-hmm. But when we try to align our heart with that of Christ, blessings flow from that. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, the Beatitudes are blessed are the meek, blessed are the sorrowful, blessed are those who thirst and hunger. And I mm-hmm. think that's, mm-hmm. that's speaking to the heart again, where you just let your heart try to, emulate that of Jesus 
and sit back and see how we can work in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, uh, the power we're, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the power that we're seeking is a, is in the form of meekness is one that would raise others up for the sake of seeing God glorified. You know, Jesus had power, but that power was always for the glorification of the father and the lifting up of others. And so for the same way for us, this meekness that we're talking about here is not a meekness that would cause us to, to resign, to find ourselves, Oh, I, you know, quiet, sit back, resign, but rather to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be a difference maker, a person who's really desirous to see God glorified, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. It's always Jesus, his power was directed at others-centeredness and the Lord's glorification. And it really has to be the same way for us. And, and he believers. submitted to the Father. And he submitted to the Father. He did it powerfully, but he did it with meek, with meekness, and it attracted people to him. The message was upside down and backwards, but it was the right message to uh, to will to be willing to lay his life down. No greater love does one have for another that he would lay his life down for a friend. Wow. Well, um, boy, it's been, I think, a good podcast, you guys, to talk about this virtue of meekness. We're going to continue to talk about the uh, the Beatitudes because they are such powerful uh, virtues to, to entertain and to think about and to focus on. Um, so I think, Ken, would you mind, you know, close this out in, uh, in prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll close this podcast out for sure. this particular episode. Father God, we just are so grateful to you for this day and for this opportunity to come together, to study your word, mm-hmm. to let it permeate our bodies. We pray, Lord, that the message that you intend for us to receive is the one that we have delivered. We pray that all of the people hearing this today would be impacted and touched. And Father, we pray for their families. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we most of all, we pray for your will, that it would be done here as it is in heaven and as it will be in the new heaven and earth mm. to come. Mm. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Andrew. Great to have you guys in studio. Um, audience, we uh, we appreciate your coming to listen to the podcast. I invite you to come back. The uh, website is lifebeyondthesummit.com, and our email is lifebeyondthesummit at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out. And if you want to have coffee sometime, 314-581-4272. I would love to hear from you, sit down, encourage you, and just uh, break the bread of God's word together. Until next time. God bless and have a great week.